Glamo, a podcast exploring the world of fashion with the personalities that shape it. My guest this week is fashion designer Todd Snyder. Before taking the helm at his eponymous label, he spent decades at Ralph Lauren, Gap, and J. Crew. Todd and I discussed his humble beginnings working retail in Iowa, starting the Americana movement, and why he continues to value the experience over the algorithm. Let's do it. Mr. Todd Snyder, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Um, yeah, I was saying earlier, we're, we're doing this again. This is, this is my first <laughs> mulligan pod. <laughs> mulligan pod. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, so there's a, a lot of your story, I, I feel, like people know of, of you as a designer, um, you know, where you kind of came from, but I'd love for you to just kind of walk me through a couple things. So or, you're originally from Iowa. Originally from Iowa, born and raised. Yeah. And you got to spend some time in retail before, to kind of cut your teeth before you, you, uh, you got really into fashion. Yeah, that's really how it all started. I, I was working in a menswear store called Bedowers in Des Moines, Iowa. Yeah. And um, it was kind of the place I used to go and, you know, dream about dressing better. I mean, I was a high school kid, college kid, and I was always into clothes, and it was kind of like my way of, of getting girls' attention. Um, when I was young, it was just I was good at sports, but what kind of separated me from the rest of the crowd was the way I dressed. And um, it, it for me, it really was something that started defining me earlier, like me as a person, just because I was always taught by my father to present yourself in the best light. Um, if you're going into a job interview, um, you're not going to wear flip-flops and a pair of shorts, you know, but right. you're also not going to wear a tuxedo. So you need to dress the part um, that you want to get. And um, it's something that's I've stayed with me my whole career. And, and even today, just thinking about um, everything I do, I always think about what what's the part that I'm either applying for or want to be. You know, if I'm going to a friend's house uh, for a dinner party, am I going to come all schlumpy and, and wearing, you know, my ratty old jeans and a, and a baseball cap? And no, I mean, I'm, I want to show a bit of respect to him and it's his party or her party. And, and I think it's important to show up in the right way. So I started working, um, I was in originally at Iowa State. I went to school there and studied you know, freshman engineering, and that's what my father was, and found that very boring. And um, then switched majors to arch- architecture, uh, right. which to me was a little more creative, and uh, found that a little bit boring. And I was in school for like six years, so nice. Um, and I did not get a doctorate <laughs> um, or a master's, but um, it was something that you know, I was kind of just trying to figure out my way and. Right. Um, what I wanted to do. And while I was in school, um, I started working at the men's store, but hours and part of it was just to get cheaper clothes. It was get the discount. Oh know? yeah. Well that, yeah, that that's how you know you're, you're a real employee is when you work somewhere to get the goods. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely spent more than I made. That was, that yeah. was, uh, I think they appreciate that meaning like they know that most of their employees actually spend, you know, a lot of money there. Um, and I was, I was probably, spending double the amount that i actually made <laughs> what was the do you remember the first thing you got where you're like oh my gosh like this is it was it like a jacket or shoes or- um i mean it was a lot of different things um i i was obsessed with clothes back then i mean i still am but um ralph lauren to me was the end all be all and i i, I would actually collect polo shirts i meaning like every color i wanted to have really every wearable color i would say um and I remember whenever I travel, I would go to, you know, Chicago or I'd go to Denver and I'd go to the polo store there to see if there was any new mesh polos uh, uh, available. Um, so I was a bit nerdy when it came to fashion. I was always kind of obsessed with like having, and, and I was very kind of defined on what I wanted. I, I had a lot of polos and then suits were something that I really appreciated because I had to wear one quite often at work. And, yeah. um, Generally speaking, again, this was back in the 80s, uh, late 80s, late 80s, suits were still kind of uh, the required dress for people at work, you know, going to work. Sure. And then 90s kind of came around and the casual Fridays kind of took over. So anyway, I was working at um, 
uh, at Bedowers, and a lot of it was, uh, you know, meeting people and getting to know who they are and helping them dress better. And um, that always stuck with me. And, you know, working on the floor, I'd always see the tailors uh, coming in and out and was always just curious about how they went about what they did. Um, right. Because they can take a suit and it would always look kind of ill-fitting the first time they put it on a customer, but then they would magically make it look like it was made for them. Yeah. Um, I just found that fascinating. And then after that, I was like, I got to find out more. And then I ended up finding out at Iowa State, I was still in architecture, um, finding out that there was a um, fashion program there. Um, and Is it still there? It's still there. Nice. still there, and it's big. I mean, it grows. I mean, they're really... What I didn't realize when I was there and I didn't really appreciate, I mean, because I'm in Iowa and I'm thinking, oh, Iowa State has a fashion program. It was really more, you know, I couldn't, I didn't want to start over in another university and and finding out that they had this program there was really amazing. So I spent my last two years um, in the fashion program and graduated uh, in 93. And, um, well, and so I want to talk about Ralph Warren for a second here. Yeah. So you, you graduate. You come to New York, and from what I had heard, you come to New York, and you want to be here so bad that you actually offer to work for free. Yeah. At I mean, Ralph Warren. At Ralph. Well, I mean, my dad always told me, if you want to be the best, you have to work for the best. And I knew going to Iowa State probably wasn't the best thing on my resume as far as getting into the fashion industry. Sure. Although I did find out later that um, Halston was from Des Moines, Iowa, which was, I was, I was kind of like, oh, that's pretty cool. Oh. Um that is really cool. I, yeah. didn't, I didn't know that. Um, and then when I got into, you know, I knew I wanted to move to New York because um, that's where everything is. And I, I, I remember, I, th- I can't remember, someone told me, a girlfriend maybe at the time was like, you know, you, you're probably going to have to live in New York. I mean, because not many people from Iowa have yeah. ever been to New York. And um, so I made a point to come here and check it out. So I did... Um, where, where'd you live first place? Well, I, I didn't live yet. I, I was okay. in college and I took spring break or whatever and drove out here. And oh, um, wow. yeah, so I, I stayed actually with my cousin in uh, Wilmington, Delaware and took the train up and um, ended up one of my good friends from high school uh, was working for an accounting firm and was actually in New York at the same time. So I was able to you know stay in his room and... Um, kind of got to see like the West village in a, in a cool way, seeing like a comedy club and a jazz club. Um, and it kind of fell in love with New York. I just thought it was the coolest thing. And so then I was hooked. I'm like, this is what I want to do with my career. I want to, um, I want to be in fashion. And, um, what kind of really got me into wanting to be a designer, um, when I was at Bedowers, one of the, um, reps from Ralph Lauren came and was giving like a whole, you know, dissertation on Ralph and the, you know, what the brand is and what the season's about and kind of got my first view of what Mm. it was like to be in the fashion industry. And I knew that that's what I wanted to be. And I read Ralph's book in the eighties and I thought, gosh, I didn't know you could do this as a, as a career. And while working at that store, that's where everything opened up. You know, I started working with the tailors. I, um, met this person from, um, from Chicago, um, where they were based kind of walking us through the mood for the season and as they always talk about ralph is there's this majestic um feeling of of ralph lauren you know depending on the mood meaning that the mood boards that they're putting out so i always had that in the back of my mind i want to work there and um i know i knew coming from iowa that it's gonna be hard for me to get into this industry just because you know who am i you know so i really armed myself with as much knowledge as i could um, I taught myself how to sew. Um, at, at, at Things com- that people who go to work at Ralph Warren don't really do so much anymore. Yeah, they in terms, of, especially teaching themselves how to sew. I definitely want to call that out. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know that at the time, but I yeah. just assumed coming from Iowa that everybody knew this. So I needed to know flat pattern. I needed to know draping. I needed to know sewing. <laughs> um, I so I at college that's what they taught us. It's amazing. They, yeah, they, and, and then I didn't realize what I had because when. I came and I took a few courses here at Parsons. We actually, they actually used the same textbooks that I was using at Iowa State. And those textbooks were written by the professors at Iowa State. There you and go. I was like, 
boom there. And that was a big moment for me. Cause all of a sudden I had this, like, I, I know more than I, I thought. And, um, knowing all those things really armed myself. And, and so I ended up working, I ended up calling probably a dozen different men's brands. And back then there was no internet. Um, it was me going to the library, looking through a bunch of, uh, phone books of New York city, <laughs> looking up Donna Karen, Ralph Lauren, Armani, um, Bill Robinson. And back in the day, um, he was an amazing designer in, in the eighties and nineties. He unfortunately passed away from AIDS. Hmm. Um, and, um, it just was like a huge opportunity for me. And I ended up getting offers from probably five of those brands to come and work there. And you, I, you cold called them. I cold called them. And I, it took me probably 20 tries to get through the receptionist. And I didn't know what a design director was, but that was kind of like my, when I kind of figured out my routine, it'd be like, hi, I want to talk to the design director of men's. Okay, hold on. And they would patch me through. If I started with, hi, I'm Todd Snyder, I'd like to do an internship, they'd be like, uh, we don't do that, bye, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I was able to get myself into um, the right person, and um, they, you know, you know, I'm just a very genuine person, and I think they liked my approach, and I wasn't pushy, and and I simply just wanted to meet them and show my book and um, get my foot in the door. and. I came out um, another trip on a week uh, for a week, met with all these different brands, and um, I think I just remember, you know, I think a big reason why I got all these offers at the time again. This was like '90s. Um, I said, you know, and how much they were like asking me how much, and I said, "Now do it for free." And they were just like, "What? What do you mean?" <laughs> and I'm like, "I'll do it for free. I just I want to learn." I mean, you I probably don't endorse that now, though, right? legally you can't do that i don't think anyway <laughs> right we, we pay all of our interns good um, yeah fair wage um but yeah so i mean you were so hungry to be there yeah i, I, mean, I would do anything and i and i still to this day i mean i i i love what i do and i'm i'm still so grateful to i mean i love coming to work every day the yeah. fact that i remember when um when i was working at ralph i so i made no money for the first probably four weeks and after that they started paying me oh yeah okay i just hustled i just was always um i'd come in early i'd leave after everybody um, yeah or like when my boss would leave which i highly highly um suggest to anybody in the industry never leave before your boss um just a a good rule of thumb yeah you will always be seen as a hard worker if you always leave before your boss that's the first thing he remembers um and it was something I I never I never thought of. I was just so excited to be there. I was just like, holy shit! I can't believe this is happening. You're and at just, Ralph. You're there. Yeah, and I was it was a dream come true for me. So I was giddy in the morning to go to work, and that pretty much was my uh, my thought every morning in this in this. You know, I so, love what I do. I just, I get I get to I feel I still feel like I'm in college. I still feel like I'm you know, design to me is so much fun. Yeah. You know, you get to play with fabric, you get to create new things. And I, and I re I really enjoy it. That's my favorite part of my job is and, doing that. And that's awesome. First off. But so I heard you got, you got put on the Ralph Lauren design team because you were the, a guy who was making his own clothes and they were so interested in it. Right. Yeah. I mean, what kind of my claim to fame there, I mean, nobody knew me when I was there, so they probably don't remember it. But for me, my claim to fame um, was I remember being in a meeting and somebody, one of the design directors was like, you know, hey, hey, didn't remember my name, but, you know, hey, who makes your shirt? And and I'm like, me. And and she was just like, excuse me, you make that shirt? You made the shirt? And I said, yeah, I made the pattern. And, and she just like, that is really awesome. And from then on, I got included um, in meetings, and it just was the door that I oh. needed to open, a little crack. And, there you go. And then they were asking my opinion from time to time. It just was nice. Um, you know, obviously the way you dress, we're in the fashion industry, right. has a lot to do with how people perceive you. Right. Um, and I knew that. And, and knowing that I always had to dress a certain way, again, dressing the part, I knew that I had to look my best when I went to work and you see it in retail. You see it when you go to a store, 
you know, people always dressed up, but a lot of times when people go to work, especially in the fashion industry, believe it or not, they actually dress poorly because they're, they want to be comfortable. They're all kind of yeah. jaded and we don't, you know, um, sometimes <laughs> like everything, but you, but I always kind of took it very seriously and that was kind of what opened the door for me. And I think the fact that, that I could sew and I just assumed everybody around me did the same and they didn't. I mean, most of them were like, yeah, I took that course, but I didn't really, you know, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't paying attention. Yeah. And, but I loved it. I actually really enjoyed sewing. So I would actually sew my own shirts on the weekend. I didn't have a lot of money. So, but I, I still wanted, um, you know, the newest fashions and I couldn't really afford it. So what I did is I just would, go to the fabric store, especially here in New York city. Yeah. You, you get a lot go of the remnants. District. Yeah. You get amazing fabric in the garment district. Cause like most of us, um, you know, when we're designing, we order all this fabric, we don't always use it all or there's overages in the sample rooms and then they sell it off to these jobbers. And that's usually what you see in these fabric shops. So I was getting stuff that you would get from Calvin Klein to Donna really? Karen. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Yeah. Calvin Klein, because Calvin Klein's right there and we have the same issue. I mean, it's just, it's not a lot, but you'll get a bolt of fabric, maybe 30 yards. I only need like two and a half yards to make a shirt. So oh, I would, heavens. my favorite thing to do is to get fabric on a Saturday and then I, you know, have the pattern already pre-made. I cut it. I start sewing it, and I'd have it done pretty much. My goal was to get it done Sunday night, so then I could wear it to work. That's amazing. And um, that was really what got me into it. I just loved making clothes, and um, I, and that's really what started the whole thing. And working at Ralph gave me the opportunity to work at even better places. So I was able to. Um, from there, I got my first real paying job was at um, at J. Crew. Yeah, I was talking about where I first interacted with you, and that was with what you were doing at J. Crew. Mm-hmm. And at J. Crew, like I was saying, I mean, I don't think you get enough credit for this because you were the guy who made uh, menswear approachable. Mm-hmm. I think, and 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 when I mean approachable, I mean you were combining very very. Uh, I don't know the correct term, but maybe like blue collar mm-hmm. items, like the the heritage, the the Red Wing, um, you know, th- this whole sort of look, which was like the everyman, but it was actually very fashionable. Mm-hmm. And that was you. I mean, because at the time when this happened, you were the senior VP of retail uh, of design for J Crew. Yep. Because I was like, wait, why is J Crew really, really good? <laughs> and I know that there was a team, and behind every yeah. you know great yeah. d- designer, there's a team, and and you had you know uh, uh, Mickey and stuff, who's yeah. you know Amazing. obviously enabling yeah. you. But that blew my mind because I was so like, I mean, it just put me down this rabbit hole, which, as you can see mm-hmm. over the years, has made me even more obsessed uh, to to just care about clothes. Right. And I think that that you know, when you did that and I mean, there's still a ripple effect around it. There's still guys, you know, that, that are now realizing that the things that they have in their closet already look good. Mm-hmm. And, and the last thing I want to say before, uh, I, your take on it is I think the biggest thing that I think you gave men, uh, in terms of dressing was confidence mm-hmm. because, you know, even, you know, as we're talking, you're kind of belittling yourself. You're like, well, I'm from Iowa, I this and that. But what you realize the tools that you had to to look good and the knowledge was was already there mm-hmm. and and with these guys you know you let me realize that the carhartt jacket in my closet i could wear i mm-hmm. didn't have to buy everything from scratch and i think in menswear in general that is the most intimidating thing is the mm-hmm. fact that oh but i have to start over yeah. and i think with your brand and and then what you did at j crew I could I could get a piece and 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 walk into something versus have to dive right in. Yeah, I know. Thank you very much. I mean, it's um, I had a really really good team at J Crew, and I, I, I that I definitely built from scratch. Um, when I got there, the brand was um not doing well. Mickey was at the helm. What year did you get there, real quick? I got there in ninety. Oh, ninety. I got there. Well, it's funny because I. I I'd been there twice. Um, I worked there in 92, actually. I worked there from 92 to 94. That was like my first real paying job. <laughs> um, I was there when Emily Woods was there, and actually Jenna was there. Um, that was her first job. And um, so I kind of got an early glimpse of what J. Crew was in the very beginning. It was just catalog mainly. 
Mm-hmm. And then I went and worked at Ralph, and uh, again, I, I kind of came back to all the places I worked at twice, which is kind of funny. Um, I literally started. You made the rounds. Started at Ralph, <laughs> went to J. Crew, went to Gap, went back to Ralph, went back to Gap, came back to J. Crew. That was kind of my career. Wow. Um, but I, one of the biggest things is I never burned a bridge. It was the one great piece of advice I got from people that said never, ever burned a bridge. And, um, and I truly believe in that. Even in life, like you, you, there's no point in it. You know, you might have a grudge against somebody, but there's no point in burning that bridge. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, J. Crew for me was. I worked with so many great people in the industry over that period of time. Um, I had been in the industry at that point probably 15 years. Mm-hmm. And I met some great people at Ralph Lauren. Frank Mugens was um, one of them. I thought he was probably the most talented people I ever worked with, with in outerwear. Had a really um, strong passion for um, design and looked at things almost in more of an um, architectural kind of way, um, hmm. which I really liked. And then I worked with Tim Hamilton at, at uh, Gap as well, and he's an amazing designer that is now heading up um, North Face. He did his own collection for three or four years um, and just, um, again, amazing talent. So I kind of, as I went along, I, re- I was, gosh, I'd love to work with this person. I'd love to work with this person and kind of built my dream team when I got to J. Crew. Um, and a lot of it was because of Mickey's um, freedom that he gives designers. And um, can, you, can you elaborate on, on the freedom versus, like, say, maybe the restrictions you had at Ralph and the freedom you had at J. Crew? Well, Ralph, it's Ralph's vision, and Ralph kind of has very set um, parameters, and hmm. Ralph, Ralph doesn't see 100% everything that you're doing, but his, his brother Jerry, his older brother Jerry, is, who's amazing as well, um, sits in on all the design meetings and is really, you know, you're, you're designing for that aesthetic, and, and that aesthetic is pretty narrow. And um, it was already defined, you know, mm-hmm. Ralph and, and the team had defined it for, you know, they started in 67 and by the time I got there in 90, whatever, um, that had already been defined. So they pretty much knew who they were and where they wanted to go. And Ralph always had a very strong sensibility of this is our guy and this is our girl. And, um, and we all respected that. And that's kind of how you operated there. Whereas sure. J. Crew. It was somewhat undefined. I mean, there was definitely, um, you know, when I got there, we were super dandy. We were super preppy mm-hmm. and, and too much. You know, everything was overcolored and padre, uh, madras patchwork galore. Right. Uh, critters on everything, like the little embroidered um, yeah. animals. Um, it was just way overboard and it wasn't cool. And um, I remember being there and, and Mickey's much more of uh you know, he listens to people and that's the one thing he does well is he kind of surveys everyone. And interesting. Um, you know, he, he's got an incredible eye when it comes to product. I, I showed him recently one of our catalogs from Todd Snyder. And sure enough, the guy can pick your number one styles without fault. It's just boom, boom, boom. He's like, That's amazing. That must be big. And I'm like, Yeah, that's our number one style. <laughs> and just able to pick it and that's how how he's always been he's able to pick stuff but in, even his own personal style and and you know everything even to the cars he drives like he's very he has great taste like i remember him telling us a story back in the day at lunch one time and he was talking about uh, he used to drive around in a bmw 2002 and i'm like are you kidding me that's like the coolest car out there like the fact that he was driving that when he was working at bloomingdale's back in the day and he used to drive people, I mean, I can imagine Mickey driving people to and from work. They would carpool <laughs> from Westchester and they would drive people to work. And I'm like, you had a 2002? Like he had, and, and for him it was just normal, but he just always had this way of um, picking cool things out of kind of the, the bin. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, there's thousands of cars out there, but he was able to pick one of the coolest cars. And, and more recently... I mean, this is probably eight years ago when I was at J. Crew. Ten years ago when I was at J. Crew, he showed me this um, Toyota Land Cruiser, and it's a oh. vintage Toyota Land Cruiser oh, wow. rebuild. And I'm like, I've never seen anything like this. You know, it's like one of those cars you wish you had, and but they're not everywhere. And this was again like ten, maybe even twelve years ago. Then I think about it, but it was 
beautiful. And you're just, but he's always been kind of that, um, had that passion and kind of that um, ability to pick things that were cool even before they were cool. And um, I, I don't think he gets enough credit for that. And he, so anyway, he kind of always. Um, a lot of freedom he gave you. A lot of crew. freedom, a lot of creative freedom. He would always do that to designers, merchants he would beat the hell out of. <laughs> I mean, he would burn through more merchants than I can remember. I mean, just he he expected the merchants to be as engaged as he is and as with it as he is because he was always able to see forward better than sometimes designers. He was able to see a year ahead, two years ahead on a trend, and he wouldn't um, – like if, you know, you're wearing a cool rugby today and it's a good example of, you know, you and I both know you probably just work because, you know, you're probably not thinking this is cool. You just think, oh, this is interesting. I want to look like a softball coach. Yeah, That's my go. style. Dad style's <laughs> in right now, which I was yeah. kind of thrilled because I'm a dad. Um, <laughs> there you go. Me too. <laughs> but Mickey was always able to, he would see something and be like, that's cool. And there would be no history on that style. There'd be no history saying, wow, that's going to be the next big style. And he'd be like, I'm loving that. That looks that looks really fresh. And then he'd go and he wouldn't just buy it as like a small little investment. He would go and stand behind it. And he would always have the guts to go where no one else has been for a while. And and I think that's what really separated him from a lot of people. So he always got along really well with designers because I think he had the same timeline um, when he would look at things. Um, whereas a merchant always had a timeline. And, and there's a lot of great merchants out there. It's not to say they're all, they're all bad. No, I understand. Um, I couldn't do what I do without having a great merchant. and um, But he always pushed people to think forward and and you know not get stuck looking behind and he would always use the analogy of uh, i think wayne gretzky gretzky used to always say is like you need to skate where the puck is going Mm -hmm. and that's mickey would always say that you gotta skate to where the puck is going that's interesting yeah Yeah. because steve jobs would also say that too yeah and i know that mickey was he's one of the longest serving Apple board members, I believe. He too. was, yeah. yeah. He, they were good friends. Um, yeah. And he, actually, there was one time when I was at Gap, um, Steve Jobs spoke at one of our uh, earnings, um, you know, calls or not, you know, kind of more of a informational thing for the entire corporation. And oh, it wow. was awesome. I was just like, <laughs> and I'm a huge Mac fan. I've been a Mac fan since it, it came out. Um, I still remember when I was in college when the, the, the Mac came out, and I remember we all heard about, cause when I was in college, we all had to do our papers on, on typewriters. Oh, okay. And then we heard, I was like, Oh, I think Billy has a friend who has a friend who's got a Mac. And sure enough, we'd all like wait in the hallway to use the Mac to do our papers. Oh my God. Because it was easier. It was easier. Cause if you screwed up, you could retype Press it or whatever. <laughs> yeah. you, could retype or whatever. you didn't have to go back and white it out and, try to get it aligned and all that. Oh, my Lord. So anyway, I, I've always been a huge Mac fan, and Mickey um, w- was on the board, and I remember I started buying Mac stock back in the day, and I asked Mickey, um, you know, I'm thinking about buying Mac stock. What do you think? And he goes, he goes nah, I don't, I don't think it's going to be any good. And <laughs> this was like, I want to say like 2000-whatever. The n- great thing about him is he always remembered that I asked that question, and he's like, God, I'm glad you didn't listen to me because it doubled. But by the time we ended at J. Crew, it, it probably tripled by the time uh, we had ended. But yeah. they came up with, you know, that's when they came up with the iPhone. It was the iPod was the first, and that that's when I started investing in them. And then the iPhone came out, and Mickey had gotten um, access to one before it launched, probably two months. Oh wow. And he gave it to the guys in IT, and they're like, I don't know how to work this. This is like, <laughs> and he's like, Fic, you know, figure this out so I can use it. But he always would come, and, and it wasn't like he was ever giving us inside information, but you would just get some of the coolest stories about he and Steve. And, and um, it just was very interesting how they were very similar in a lot of ways. And Mickey really helped him out in, in creating the whole uh, retail concept. That yeah. was really what. I think, um, you know, there's a lot of pieces to Apple that was great success, but I think the retail piece that, that was a lot of Mickey's influence. Wow. Yeah. That's fascinating. But he's, he's amazing. I honestly, and I'm so glad I was had the opportunity to work for Mickey. Gosh, for almost like 14 years I worked with, you know, whether it was yeah, Gap. Yeah. Cause or, at Gap too. 
and then being able to work at Ralph. Um, those are the two icons for me in, in menswear and just in retail in general that, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to do what I do today without having those influences. Right. How thick is your wallet? Are you in danger of getting scoliosis when you put it in your pocket? Do your friends call you George Costanza? I have owned my fair share of wallets and leather goods over the years, and nothing has moved the needle as much as my experience with Bellroy has. Founded in 2010, Bellroy products are designed to make your life easier, smarter, and more seamless. Their first wallet, the Slim Sleeve, is made from premium, environmentally certified leather sourced exclusively from gold-rated tanneries, stitched to create a slim, durable, and intuitive wallet that has since become a cult favorite. Look, they're designed to look just as good on day 1,000 as they do on day one. Their three-year warranty ensures it. Here's my favorite part. Just as Bellroy set out to find better ways to design a wallet and other leather goods, they've committed this approach to everything else they do, designing for possibility and doing it for purpose. They're a certified B Corp. Look, if you don't know what that is, look it up. It's a big deal. They're also involved with effective giving charities such as the Against Malaria Foundation and Farm Forward, and they donate 1% of their revenue, yes, revenue, not profit, to those causes. But the best news is they've decided to run an exclusive promotion for the Blamo Nation. Head to bellroy.com forward slash Blamo for 20% off your purchase. Did I mention free shipping? Folks, this is rare. They aren't a seasonal or fast brand, and they very rarely, if ever, offer a discount on their products. So visit bellroy.com forward slash blamo, spelled how it sounds, and get 20% off your order now. Go! So you finish up at J. Crew, per se. I don't I wouldn't say finish. Yeah. And then you launch your own brand. What and this is 2011, I believe, that you launched Tots I Minor? left J. Crew in 2009. We just opened up the liquor store. And then we um I'm trying to think, we started doing the men, first men's, like the liquor store was kind of an experiment. And it was. Because um, that was with Andy Spade, right? It was with Andy. And yeah. Mickey wanted to figure out menswear. And he was just, we, and of course, I was always the the guy that would always be the, the, the kind of the. <laughs> I would always get in trouble for this because I would always say, well, Mickey, if we weren't on, you know, we never got the front cover of the catalog. We always were in the basement of the store. And he finally was, I think, you know. He you was, mean like having the attention that you deserve? Yeah, menswear J. Crew was always the stepchild. It they just, were in the back of the catalog. We were in the That's back true. of the catalog. We didn't even have the back cover. Um, we got zero attention during presentation because Jen and I would stand up and talk. I'd, she'd talk about women's wear and I'd talk about men's. She would always be first, um, <laughs> and she is really. She talks a, a lot better than I do, as you know, at presentations and whatnot. So, of course, she, you know, and most of the merchants were women, so they're like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" And they would, you know, they would. By the time it got to me, they'd lose steam. So, I would always kind of complain about um, not being in the front of the store, not being. We typically men's was in the basement or on a second floor or third floor. Right. And of course we never had the attention and it just was hard. So finally Mickey, not because I was complaining about it, but just because men's it was stagnant, it wasn't moving anywhere. And he finally was like, you know what? I met with Andy Spade. I think we should bring him in. I'm like, I'd love to work with Andy Spade. I mean, I think he's amazing. And I like what he did with Jack Spade. And, um, actually Andy and I became quick friends and I'm, I'm still close with him and Anthony who do partners in Spade and they're, oh, wow geniuses i mean they yeah i agree i mean if anybody doesn't know who they are i mean you look at warby parker and harry's and and shinola like they are the brainchilds behind a lot of those brands to kind of get them to what they are mm -hmm. creatively and um they're they're really really good um but they um came into the presentation and andy was just like well mickey you need to open up a men's store and he's like that i knew it this is what and that gave him <laughs> the confidence to say you know let's do it because mickey had said probably a dozen times before that we need to open up a men's store we need to we need to really prove this and what would end up happening over time is everyone would kind of calm him down saying no we're fine let's focus on women's and um mickey said no we're gonna do it Let's do this. And, and um, Andy, because, you know, he had so many years of kind of thinking about what Jack Spade could be, 
had in his back pocket this um, old bar that that um, lost its liquor license and used to be before that a liquor store. Yeah, and I think that was going to be one of his next uh, um, Jack Spade stores, and he he had sold the company by then, and basically handed it over to us and said, "Hey, I got this great space. We can." keep the bar we can kind of turn it into and just keep the name liquor store because there was a big debate whether we were gonna have a j crew sign up front or whatever and we decided no let's just keep it kind of under the radar yeah and that was it that was like the one defining moment that really changed the direction of menswear and everything in that store did well like it was all product that and andy termed this and i still give him so much credit for everything that that i've learned from him as well He's the one that kind of took the phrase curated and made it mainstream in oh, in apparel. It right. was always you because he, he was always in his uh, art aficionado. He's, he's very much into photography and all that. Mm-hmm. And he's like, this is a curated experience. And he and then it just Mickey loved the word. He was like, this is great. I love that. Let's <laughs> that's and that's how the store was. Everything we put in that store was for that store. We we put denim we we did a slim fit jean in there we did everything was salvaged everything was made in the u.s uh that's where the ludlow suit was was born right um i knew that we needed a suit that was a little more um slim fitting and a little bit more fashionable um everything in that store the the shirts we did thomas mason started there like all the the nuggets started there because I knew that this was my shot, that this was our point in time to really let's make this as cool as possible and not get stuck in Mickey's whole philosophy is, you know, there's so many items in a store that a customer has to pick from. Let's pick it for them. Let's, this is the one Chino. Cause when you go into a normal J crew back in the day, you'd have, you had a lot of styles to choose from 50 or 60 customer choices to pick yeah. from. And he's like, let's pick the one fit. Let's actually, let's pick the three colors that the guy needs to have. Let's pick the one polo at the time. We had four because wow. that's what the business said. Sure. Uh, we had two different fits of shirts and we said, we're going to go for the slim fit. And, and he really forced us to say, make some tough choices. And we just, we, the store wasn't big. So we kind of had to make those things. And it really was a testament, um, you know, to to Mickey and his vision of like editing down and making sure that the the selection was super focused, so that you don't give the customer all these choices. They don't want all these choices. At the end of the day, they just want to be, you know, what I don't have a lot of time. Can I just go to one place and find the coolest stuff? And right. that's what the liquor store was. And and then that was it. That was it. And then after that, I knew. I had my formula down. I was like, you know what? This worked out great. The liquor store was a huge success. Um, it it was phenomenal. It truly was phenomenal. And it changed the direction. And then every store thereafter for J. Crew, the men's stores just did well because the editors were writing about it. The people in the know were writing about it. And all of a sudden it snowballed. And it, right. and it was in the right place at the right time because there was nobody at the time doing menswear well. You had Banana Republic, which was boring yeah it was Um, bad really bad still is um club monaco wasn't what it what it is well what it was two years ago pre yeah pre erlen veen which (laughs) by the way they really miss him he's he's another one that's um super talented that needs to figure out how to get back because i i went in not to bitch about club but it used to be really really good yeah and it's not anymore it's horrible um and um so we kind of were at the right place at the right time and you know, you started, this was, you know, pre Instagram and pre all that. And then as all of, you know, continuous lean came around and Michael talked about it and then Michael all, Williams, Michael Williams, yeah. um, and it just snowballed. And then there was a whole ecosystem kind of built during that time that kind of supported that same same thing. And I, I knew that, you know, I always wanted to do my own thing. And I had been working really hard to get the men's uh, collection to its place with the dream of always doing my own thing. But I I was doing all the brokering of all the deals between Timex and Red Wing and, and all that. And it was exhausting. And quite honestly, I, was, I felt a little like 
well, gosh, if I'm going to do all this work for J. Crew, I could go do this on my own. And oh. then I was like, hmm, I might be able to put this together, you know. And because um, J. Crew at the time, you know, a year prior, two years prior, wasn't relevant at all. It was it was dead in the water. If you, yeah. you know, talk to anybody, um, and we were able to resurrect that brand fairly from a from a you know from the depths of of kind of just not being around and and because of the collaborations it really it not only increased j crew's business but it really helped out red wing you know i talked to the the people now because we're doing collaborations and they say that you know you helped us even double our business like all of a sudden we went from being a workwear brand into a cool fashion brand yeah and and then that's when all of the trade shows started supporting all of that too. So you had like the project trade show, you had, um, you had, you know, the pool trade, you had all these like trade shows, but most people won't remember them, but um, that buyers would come and see. And that's where Red Wing started showing. You started seeing Jack Purcell showing there. You started seeing Alden. Yeah. Although Alden's really hard to still get, which makes sense because they don't have a lot of production. But all of this kind of Americana and kind of heritage thing kind of came to the forefront. And I, a lot of it, I think, is is because of what Michael Williams did at a Continuous Lean and just that kind of birthed all of these other um, bloggers. And, and Well, yes. The only thing I'll push back on yeah. you during this amazing conversation we've had is... You're a fascinating person to talk to, and you must be a fun person to work for because you take very little credit for things. Mm. The first thing I hear about all this is, is well, this was this person, and this mm. was this person. And that's really, that makes me feel great. Mm. I'll, I'll be honest. That makes me feel really good. But a lot of this stuff was you. Mm. And I think that that's what's, you know, great to say. And that's also why we're talking. Right. Because, you know, you, to talk about the Red Wing thing for a minute, like you were the person that I think, you know, it was almost as if you, you were able to look through, you know, the every man's closet and be like, mm. some of these things you already have. Yeah. Let me show you how to put this together. Let's just make this a little bit slimmer. Ma- mm-hmm. Let's make you feel, which is why I think the thing that, you know, and I said this earlier, I think the thing that you really gave, uh, you know, the, the American guy at that time was confidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yes, the design that you made was great, but it's, the confidence in the story that you were able to to help put together. And I know you had a great supporting cast, but I think that to me is the most exciting thing that you've done. And, and with your store, you know, and to, to push us a little bit further here, you really elevated the liquor store experience that you had helped create at J crew and turn that into a much, you know, cause I'll be honest, the, the merchandising per se of liquor store, you worked with what you had, mm-hmm. you know, you had clothes that was a little bit lower to the ground, you know, right. maybe not the easiest walkways around things, but the, it felt great. It felt yeah. really good on the inside. And here you created a true modern haberdashery again. Mm-hmm. And cause haberdasheries were everything that you would get for, for a gentleman mm-hmm. back in the day. I mean, you had your suits, you could get, you know, your, your hair done or your beard trimmed. And now, you know, here you have, I'll, I'll list this. You have a coffee shop. Mm. You have a mascot place here so mm-hmm. you can get your glasses. You have a barber shop. And then you have an amazing retail store. Mm. And no, Todd did not pay me to say any of this stuff <laughs> <laughs> for the record. Thank it you. is an and amazing. And a tailor shop. And a tailor yeah, well, yeah, yeah, and a tailor shop. And that's, yeah. that to me is why I feel really, really good, uh, not just about retail, but menswear, you know, because I came in here the other day. And I saw all the champion stuff that you were doing. And yeah. I will be the first to say that I am probably one of the whiniest, nitpickiest complainers, venters, but avid consumers of mm-hmm. clothing and menswear. And walking through here, I was like, oh, this is really good. Oh, thanks. Like, the cargo is perfect, yeah. you know? I mean, it's, it's uh, and you still pull from the stuff that you were showing and, and got me excited about when you were at J. Crew, where it was like, you're not going overboard Italian. Yeah. You know, you're going to take just a, a tiny bit of that and you're going to mm-hmm. mix that in here. And again, like, I feel like you were really able to give an identity and shape to all this without going so overboard in any one direction. And th- that to me is, you know, why I'm talking to you and why I'm, you know, I think, you know, you're continuing to do so well with your own brand. Thank you. No, I appreciate that. I think that's, um, 
you know, J. Crew for me was um, truly kind of where I got my confidence to do what I'm doing today. It it mm-hmm. really kind of showed me the pathway of, you know, I, for the longest time I'd worked at Gap and um, I enjoyed traveling. I enjoyed, you know, meeting people and eating different uh, cuisines. And, you know, I, like I said, I grew up from Iowa and for me going to Japan was amazing. I was like, oh my God, this, I'd never been outside <laughs> the state of Iowa. So, I really had the great opportunity to meet new people and, and also just see how people, uh, dressed. I, I think probably what makes me a little more people in Japan, dress. people in Japan. Yeah. Right. I think what makes me, um, uh, gives me a competitive edge for most people is that I, I travel a lot. So I, I am always watching what people wear. Um, it's my favorite thing to do. And I think what really allows me to do things, um, that are more commercial is the fact that I, I did come from Iowa and because I still go back a lot, I'm able to see that continuum of, you know, what's cool in New York and does it make sense in Iowa? And, oh, okay. And, um, cause it does, it does take time to travel towards the Midwest in terms yeah. of like looks. Yeah, and it yeah. does. It takes probably, and it's a lot shorter than it used to be, but um, it's still, there's certain things that may not make it there, and you kind of sure. know, hmm, that may not make it there. However, in the last probably decade, especially with Instagram, it, it travels a lot faster because people are seeing what, you know, whoever they want on Instagram uh, wear something, they want to wear that. So the fashion cycles have definitely sped up quite a bit, mm-hmm. but still, you know, being able to see what's commercial and, you know, especially what's going on in fashion today with the Balenciagas and kind of all the craziness out there. Um, the, the big dad, like exaggerated shoe type thing. Yeah. I mean, which, you know, that's actually, I mean, there's certain things from an art perspective, cause I've always been in art. There's, there's things that are avant-garde that, you know, you can kind of dial back and kind of, um, make your own because it's going to happen i mean there's going to be some sort of evolution of what sure not everything is that way but then that's where the part you kind of like look at runway and you look at what's happening in europe and you know which parts to kind of say hmm okay we're going to do this differently but we're not going to do that per Mm -hmm. se and it's um there's a lot because there's a lot of information and you really have to be knowledgeable of you know i've seen a lot of trends come and go i've seen some that surprised me some that were like, um, gosh, I can't believe that's still around. And, <laughs> um, you see, you just see the cycle. There's definitely cycles. And I, you know, I learned early on in college, how to identify that and kind of look at things that were either a fad that kind of die very quickly and things that have longevity and kind of become classics. And, um, you learn just to watch for it and then you can kind of make your own. I mean, I've got 20 years of experience of watching things come and go. So that right. helps. And I think when I started at J crew, um, a lot of what, um, I like to surround myself, myself with talented people. And, um, that's always been my secret of success is making sure that I, I always say this, I want to be in, I want to inspire people as much as I want them to inspire me. And, working around a good group of people um it keeps me young and it also keeps me into things like i mean we all kind of nerd out over things um at any given time and those and i've always liked clothing and it was one of these things that you kind of after moving to new york city and seeing what guys wear the red wing boot trend came from you know working in the chelsea area and you would see all these guys and most of them were gay and they were wearing red wing workwear boots but it was a look and i'm like that's really interesting i used to wear those to work every day when i used to work on a construction crew for my dad's engineering firm and and it just stuck with me and i was like that's a really interesting take that and i just thought it was bizarre that in new york city you would see and this was in the early probably mid 90s you would see all these red wing boots being worn with white socks tube socks and yeah and shorts and it just stuck with me and then as I, um, I remember I started working with Ralph Lauren and all the cool guys were wearing selvage jeans turned up with red wing boots. And it was just like, oh, that's interesting. And it just kind of stuck with me. And then when we did the, the, um, the men's uh, kind of collection for the year kind of of the, the store, um, the liquor store, um, I thought, God, you know, it'd be really neat to do something with Red Wing. And it was about a year prior to that. 
and um, we sold the hell out of them. It was like we we got <laughs> we got um, at the time. Red Wings distribution was really kind of screwy, and the coolest Red Wings they would only sell in, in Europe and Japan. Yeah, and I remember I, I got told no <laughs> twenty times. Met with the <laughs> head of sales, everything. They all they all said no. We well, we won't do that. And I said, is there any way I can get the sh- the boots you guys sell in Japan? And I finally got to the right person, and he was the president of the company, and he said, yeah, let's try it. And we sold like 3,000 units of, of Red Wings that year, and that was better than any women's shoe ever. Wow. And, and that was the beginning. And then after that, Mickey was like, what else do you have? Like, what else you got? And that's when Timex came about. That's when all of the collaborations. And that, that became, that was probably the the liquor store was the first piece of the puzzle and then the collaborations was the second piece of the puzzle and then it was off to the races wow that's i mean that's a pretty fantastic story uh and you know and obviously it's still going on which is really really cool um i want to be really conscious and respectful of your your time here so totally fine okay um we'll just do a, a couple other things and wrap up so your store in new york with what you've been working on do you, I mean, it's an incredible store, as I had said before. Do you have any plans to sort of replicate the, the Todd Snyder experience yeah. other places? Um, yeah, I mean, this store, this store has been fantastic for us. It's almost kind of taken on like what the liquor store originally did, but obviously it's a lot bigger scale. It's about 5,000 square feet. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole vision of the store was um, I wanted a place that a guy could come um, and, and be a one-stop shop. It's really kind of an emporium for men. And you can get, you know, your hair done here. You can get a suit. You can, you know, we've probably dressed 60 different weddings uh, oh, last, last year. It's crazy. Okay. Um, there you go. But most men are like, I have nowhere to go. Like, I, I don't, you know, I don't particularly love men's warehouse. I'm not going to deal with the department stores. Um, suit supply, I don't quite understand what that is yet. I need some place I can go to. And I feel like, you know, especially after J. Crew has been going through what it's been going through, it's been tough for men to like, where am I going? Like, I don't, right. I need help. And we, that wasn't really, you know, I wanted to make a place that guys could come and feel comfortable. And I think that was the goal was just to make it easy for guys to dress better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some people come in, they know what they want. Um, they pick it up. They you know, help themselves. There's a lot of guys that come in with, I don't know what to wear to a summer wedding. What should I wear? Or, you know, I don't want to pay a million dollars for a tuxedo and we've got tuxedos for $1,500 that are made in the U S. So I always wanted something that was going to fill a void, um, but also not cost a fortune. And right. that's the key to this store is to make you feel confident about your choices and make you feel like, you know, you're going to look your best we got you covered, you know, let us worry about it. I mean, I travel the world, my team travels the world to pick the best, the best things. And, and whether it's, a you know, the furniture in here, which is all for sale is all, you know, I picked it. Oh, the furniture is for sale. The furniture is for sale. There you I, go. I picked it all um, on first dibs, actually. First dibs. <laughs> and there you go. It was a fun project. I was able to travel to LA and a lot of places and um, handpick all these items. And it's not easy. You know, when you go to, pick mid-century modern especially when it's vintage it's it's not like there's a a store that carries it all you have to kind of go and and hunt that's part of the joy but i do all that myself and and the same thing with the product we're always looking for neat interesting things that um and it's really meant to be you know we have our own product in here by todd snyder suiting and sweaters and their collaborations Mm -hmm. with champion but i try to curate it with other brands that i love that you know yeah i saw the smedley polos out there yeah the smedley polos which are all made in the uk and then all of our footwear is amazing we have tier one distribution on nike and and new balance and that's hard to get that's like a that's like a kith level distribution so (laughs) you don't have to wait in line here you don't you know you don't have to go into a lottery to get our sneakers um but i know our guy wants to to look cool and look relevant but doesn't want to have to deal with kind of the the hassle of of trying to get the coolest and latest sneakers. So right, you know, and 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 in our shoes, you know, we carry everything from Alden to Trickers to Cro- Crockett and Jones. And again, it's it's you can't go anywhere in the city and get these brands. It's believe it or not, 
Alden and Crockett and Jones are very, very limited distribution, and you can't even get it at Bergdorf's. Right. You know, you go into Bergdorf's and you get their edit, but they don't have Alden's and they don't have like all the brands we have. So I wanted a, a miniature version of that. I wanted an experience where a guy could come in and not feel like he's going to see himself coming and going. It's um, meaning like he's not going to see the same thing that he buys here on 20 other people. Right. It's going to be somewhat um, limited. Um, but we wanted to make it a cool experience too and make them feel comfortable and confident in what they're buying. And, you know, one of our best selling style is, is a, um, we call it a cashmere t-shirt. It's a long sleeve, um, sweater and, um, it's made out of Laura Piana cashmere, but it's like the thing you want to wear every day. Cause it's, you know, it's lightweight. You can wear it under a jacket, you can wear it on its own and it's, it's clean and modern, but doesn't make you feel like you're wearing, you know, you know, your dad's cardigan or, or sweater so nice um but that's kind of how the store is a lot of the things i try to do is i try to take the classics and make them new again whether it's a trench coat and i'll take the lining out and i'll seam seal it so it's waterproof and i'll do it a little slimmer so you can kind of wear it with sneakers and jeans and you don't feel like you're you know going to a you know the law offices or something like that so we really try to make (laughs) it look you know, if you want to look young and fresh, there's that. But if you want to look proper and, and put together, we have that as well. That's awesome. Um, before we wrap up, one of the last things I wanted to ask you is, you know, the fact that you really kind of climbed your way to the top here and, and, you know, literally telling people that you would work for free to, to get uh, a job with them. Do you feel that, you know, the role that you have now that it's important for you to, to mentor others? Or do you think that you've, you know, gotten a lot of empathy for others and say younger designers who are trying to do that? I mean, every single thing that you've said about uh, that we've talked about here, you've immediately mentioned the team that, mm-hmm. that you work with. Are, you know, are you trying to really sort of mentor some of these other young designers? Definitely. I mean, I think we're in a really unique time i think just not only just in apparel but just in consumer goods in general i mean you've got everybody from casper making beds that i had no idea that i needed to get a bed uh, from them (laughs) yeah on the subway too by the way yeah spend a thousand dollars from a subway everywhere (laughs) to apparel like you know you've got everybody saying you need to wear your shirts untucked or you need to like our chinos are the best and i think there's it's a really interesting time when it comes to that. And, but I always kind of go back to the analogy of, of food. Um, I, I don't think I would ever want to go to a restaurant that some guy said, you know what, nothing tastes good to me. So I decided to open up a restaurant without having that person go through and work for the best people and get the influences he had. And I think right now we're going through a time period where if, if you have an algorithm and you're able to get funded and you're able to build a brand and, I do think the the times are changing and and for me I really have been trying to reinvent how we sell to our customer because a lot of our business is done online um but since we opened the store we've been able to grow the New York business by like tenfold it's been unbelievable oh wow um because people know who we are now because it's hard to see who people are online yeah but I think there's definitely a a lack of information out there believe it or not, even with, um, you know, with information being readily available, people are very misinformed on, you know, do you really want to be buying a bed, you know, from a company? And I don't know if you have one of the beds, but they're not great. Like I, I went to the store and I'm like, I got to lay on this thing. This thing must be amazing. You know, the Casper the, bed. Yeah, the Casper bed. This yeah. must be amazing. This is going to change my life. It's a bed. I mean, it's it's, it's <laughs> maybe a little bit better than a futon. Sure, a maybe a maybe a little bit better. And a futon was just you know flat mattress on a on on wood. Um, it's the same way in in fashion today. It's like you've got all these people like we've reinvented chinos. You have to buy the chinos from us, and it's like really like, and and that today I think is the biggest thing in in, in the industry is just thinking to like same thing with a chef. I want to go eat at a restaurant where that chef worked for free to get into the kitchen and spent his whole life learning um, everything there is to know about cooking and honing his craft year over year before I go dine in there. I wouldn't want to go into a restaurant that the person just said, you know what, I was in investment banking. I couldn't find a, a good restaurant to go eat at. Like, 
really like with the amount of people the same the same thing is happening right now in in, in every consumer goods. sure the, a lot of the disruption is all the, the disruption these people are using and i do think that's going to change because i think um i think um consumers are way too smart for that i think a lot of people right now are experimenting and trying new things just mm-hmm. because they have the opportunity they have excess money and they're going to try a new thing but it's really getting back to what is sustainable and i think one of the things i've always kind of valued is just the experience of you know what i've had but also the people i've worked with and you know a lot of the people i've probably hired three people from iowa state as interns and then i've hired them full time yeah. um i'm very involved with cuz i always think back to myself and think gosh i wish i would have had somebody yeah, exactly. Reaching out and saying, "Here, here's a chance, kid." You yeah. know, and and um, it's huge. So, and to be honest, they're some of the most loyal people that you'll ever have because they really know that you gave them a care. shot. Yeah, they care and they're vested in you, and they're not um, just you know. Because a lot of people, you know, first jobs are tough because it's you. You think you're going to change the world your first job, and then you kind of get knocked on your face, and that's what's great about New York is. <laughs> It does. Not yeah. New York will knock you down. Yes. And um, it'll tell you you don't know everything. And um, <laughs> it's the best lesson ever. And um, no, but I, I feel very fortunate to be in this industry and to be learning what I am and working with the people. And it's really, you know, a blessing for me to be able to do what I'm doing. I, it was a dream for me to be able to open up a store and to, um, do my own brand and then you see people liking it and enjoying it and telling their friends about it it's a good feeling and sometimes i have to pinch myself it's it really it really is a dream come true though that's awesome well thank you so so much for sitting and talking with me and uh, i look forward to talking to you soon yeah, thank you thanks yeah you've been listening to blamo our theme music is by tan lines if you like this episode there's plenty more to dive into at blamopod.com Listen to Blamo on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're at it, tell a friend and leave a review. It helps let others know and discover the show. You can follow us on Instagram at Blamo Podcast or send us an email at info at blamopod.com. Still want to connect? Join our newly launched Slack group and chat with other friends of the pod. Thanks again for listening. See you all next week.